have been in close contact with someone who tested positive for COVID, and I want you to know I'm doing fine. Not only do I not have any symptoms, I've even tested negative, uh, but I know that even showing up to church with a negative test uh, makes some people nervous, and, and that's okay. I don't want to risk spreading the virus. I know we have unvaccinated people in the congregation, and uh, vaccines don't keep you from getting infected anyway. They just help your body learn how to fight the infection, you know, kind of like having a blueprint for that. So vaccinated people can get it anyway. And so for today, I'm just staying home just in case. And that kind of gets into what I want to teach about. I want to be teaching from our New Testament lesson today so you can get your Bibles out, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, Unless the media team has some trick up their sleeves I don't know about, this will not be on the screen. So get your own Bibles out, if you would. Do it on your phone, or if you have the, uh, the paper with you, go ahead. 1 Corinthians 8, 4-13. Now, this is a passage about a very contentious issue in the early church. And the way that Paul deals with it can be helpful for us, because we're dealing, believe it or not, with contentious issues today. Uh, namely, masking and vaccinating. Now, I'm going to tell you, in case you have to leave early, the reason for today's sermon is that I've heard that there's some in this congregation who haven't played well with others at times. Uh, I've heard that there are some people who are being rude about the, the decisions that other people are making when it comes to masking and vaccinations. I've heard that uh, some folks have been short, uh, could be dismissive of others and their views, that grace can be hard to find. Now, relax, because I don't know any names. <laughs> so you're off the hook as an individual. I'm off the hook about going to individuals. But I hope that Paul's teaching is going to be helpful for all of us, because he dealt with an issue that was as important to the Corinthians as masks and vaccinations are to some of us. So let's get into it. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse four. Paul opens up, says, so what about eating meat that's been offered to idols? Not a big deal to you and me, but to Jewish believers, they were 100 percent against having anything to do with idol worship. It was a clear violation of the prohibitions that God gave to his people many times to be sure that they had nothing to do with idols and nothing to do with pagan practices. Uh, they could even look at it and say, even if you're not actually worshiping, this is a slippery, slippery slope that could have some big consequences because you're rubbing shoulders with idol worshipers. You're implying that you're part of their belief system. It's just a small step away from you know, taking another, you know, being involved in that idol worship yourself. And that can affect not only you, but your family and even your community. Now, Paul, lest we forget, was a Pharisee. Pharisees are not known for being lackadaisical with Old Testament laws. And so we could probably expect that Paul on his own would take that position. Don't do it. Just don't even go close to the edge. It's better just to stay back, rather be safe than sorry. On the other hand, Paul is writing to people who bought this meat and who probably weren't Jewish anyway. They hadn't grown up with these Old Testament laws. They believed there's only one God. There's no other God but God. So what's the big deal? 
this wasn't something that was specifically prohibited, you know, why are you getting so uptight about it? So Paul is writing to these Gentiles who have a much different worldview than what Paul grew up with. And look how he goes about it. He opens up this conversation with what they are doing right. So this is how he does it. He says, well, we all know that an idol is not really a God, that there's only one God. He's, he says, you and I are together on that. There may be so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, we know there's only one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. There's only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created, through whom we live. And he says, however, not all believers know this. Now, Paul could have started out with what they're doing wrong and let's, you know, hey, just don't even go there. But he finds something good in their approach. And there's a pro tip for having a conversation with someone who believes differently from what you believe. Start, if you can, with something that they're doing right, something that you respect. All right, so let's go on. Paul lays out the problem then. Here's what he says. He says, some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that's been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. And their weak consciences are violated. Now, don't hear anything pejorative in, in this. Like Paul is looking down on Jewish believers who he really would empathize with. He's, he's probably very sympathetic with them. But this is a way for Paul to point out that ultimately, though even these Jewish believers would believe that there really is only one God, that we have to recognize their background limits how, how cavalier they can be in taking a liberty like eating meat sacrificed to idols. They aren't as strongly in favor of, of that, certainly, as the Gentiles are. Their consciences have a problem with it. Their consciences limit how easily they can approve of doing something that they've been taught not to do. And so Paul is pointing out, here's the issue. Not everybody really sees it as simply as you do. So, verse 8. He says, it's true. We can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. He's saying... You know, the, the actual eating of this, there's, there's no reward from heaven. You don't get gold stars no matter which side of this you take. Verse 9, he says, but you must be careful so that your freedom doesn't cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. In other words, Paul is pointing out they believe they're doing the right thing. They're honoring God by the choice that they make. Their conscience it says that they can't do anything else. They're honoring God by not eating meat sacrificed to idols. So be careful. You don't encourage them to go against their conscience, even if you're right. You don't see it from their perspective. You didn't grow up with the prohibitions against idols like they did. 
these prohibitions are actually part of how they honor God. And it is woven in to their very conscience. So be careful about asking somebody to go against their conscience. Okay? Verse 10. For others, if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that's been offered to an idol? Verse 11, so because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. What? What do you mean, Paul? Paul is pointing out that violating your conscience, doing something when you think, you know, really I shouldn't be doing this. It puts up a barrier between you and God. It really is sin for you. Not because God has said, don't do what you're doing, but because you're doing something you believe is wrong. You're doing something that you don't think you really should do. Therefore, it's sin for you to do it. Verse 12. He says, when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong... You're sinning against Christ. He says, not only is this wrong for them to do it because their conscience says it's wrong. If you do it and encourage them to go against that, even though you know eating meat in front of idols is okay. You're sinning against the Lord. Because Jesus commanded you, and this is, this is what I think about why you're sinning against the Lord. Because... Jesus himself commanded you to love them. That means you do good for them. You seek their good. You seek not to lead them into sin. You seek to not put them in a position of sinning. He asked you not to do that. So who are you to do it? And number two, don't forget the way that Jesus has identified with even the least of these. He said, as you do it unto them, you do it unto me. And so if you're encouraging them to go against their conscience, and that's a sin for them, then, then it's like, you know, Jesus identifies with them. He's, he's like, wait a second, you, whatever you do to them, you're, you're doing it to me. It matters. And so Paul's conclusion in verse 13 is, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I'll never eat meat again as long as I live. Because I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. In other words, Paul is saying, be careful. Even if you're right about this issue, even if it really isn't a sin, you aren't breaking the commandment if you eat this meat. Or whatever it is you believe about masking, whether you should or shouldn't. Or if you're right about vaccinating or not vaccinating. You can cause someone to sin by making them do it the way you want to do it. Because this isn't as clear as we want it to be. This is not like do not murder, which God clearly says is undoubtedly a sin. There are no verses on masking or vaccinating or eating meat sacrificed to idols. There are very smart, let's confess this, let's just all come to grips with this. There are very smart well-studied, deeply educated, and deeply thoughtful people on both sides of these questions, even in the medical field. 
we are not just talking about people in echo chambers and, and it's clear that one side or the other is wrong. There are medical reasons people choose to get the vaccine. And there are medical reasons that keep others from getting the vaccine. There are financial reasons that some do and financial reasons some don't. There are loving and considerate reasons to go ahead and get it. And believe it or not, there are some people who have made a choice to be loving and considerate because they're not getting it. Now, I, I understand what they're doing has not been your personal choice. It's been clear to you to make the choice that you made. But in this issue, so far, there is no clear cut, one size fits all, only one right answer. Therefore, this is something that should not supersede the unity of the body of Christ. And this is a matter of conscience that people are called to hold to the conscience that they have and not be coerced to sin against their conscience. So here's my question, church. I mean, because let's face it, we have some really deep-seated feelings about this, don't we? There are people on both sides of this issue that feel they're very frustrated with the people that feel differently. And, and they're both in, in this congregation. People that you're worshiping with think radically different from you. And, and, and so here's my question. How do you love someone who's chosen differently from you? Especially when you believe they're wrong. Now again, this isn't a, a, a clear issue that, that's clearly sin or not. This is a conscience issue. I'm telling you, you have to decide. How are you going to respond lovingly to people who believe differently? And that may take you some time to figure that out. Now, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to say that they're right. And you don't have, there's certainly no reason why we'd say that both of you are, well, maybe we could say both of you. But anyway, this is just one of those issues. You can believe what you believe, but it doesn't mean that everybody sees it the way you do. But here's what you do have to do. If you're a Christian, if, if you claim that you're a Jesus follower, you have to be kind to each other. You have to be good to them and want good for them. Uh, you should actually be praying for them. Not praying against them, but pray for them. You're even asked to pray for your enemies. Certainly you can pray for the people that you worship with. And ask yourself a question like this. Would I treat a dear and honored friend the way that I want to treat the people who are thinking differently than me. Don't forget the love that God has loved us with. John 3.16, you, you may have heard of this one before. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. This was a world who thought radically different from God, that was radically different from God, that had departed in great measure from God, that in many cases is radically opposed to God and radically opposed to what God wants. And God loved them so much that he did good for us. 
Now, that's the kind of love that we're called to put into practice, even with people who believe we should be wearing or not wearing masks. Even with people that know we should get and or not get a vaccine. We have to love them. Because right now, we don't know that one of those answers is the be-all, end-all for everybody. Here's the bottom line, church. Uh, reality check here. We have to learn to live with this. And we have to learn to live with each other. COVID is not going to go away. There is no way to eradicate it like we've basically done with smallpox and other things. Smallpox could be eradicated because it only infected humans. So practically, you, you, we could get rid of it. It didn't mutate. But COVID is like the flu and the common cold. These are all coronaviruses. COVID has what they call animal reservoirs. There will always, that means that, that animals can carry it and transmit it and, and even have it affect them. So it mutates in animals as well. And because of that, there are always going to be some different strains and different mutations that come around, like happens with the flu. It's, it's been happening with various other diseases for thousands of years, and we've learned to live with those. We have to learn how to live with this. Somehow, God bless our scientists, God bless our researchers, you know, to find some good answers. But... We have to learn to live with it. We have to learn to be loving to each other, to all people, but especially, wouldn't you say, to our church family? Like Paul told the Colossian church who, who dealt with things that could be deeply dividing, like slavery and, and people that own slaves. I mean, deeply dividing stuff. And Paul wrote to them, Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Because as members of one body which we are in the church, right? As members of one body, you were called to peace. So how are you going to do that, church? How are you going to love people who are different from you? Let me tell you, just so you know, our current response as to what we're going to do when it comes to these issues, you know, and, and the policy that we have. Now, you have to deal with your reaction to this. But right now, we're not having a mask mandate. I mean, let's face it, right? It wouldn't be 100% anyway. You are welcome to wear one if you like. And we're not mandating that everybody wear one. It's just where we are. We have to learn to live in that right now. Uh, we're going to, as you may have noticed, we're going back at least for a time, for a season, we're going to sit on alternate rows for the time being. That means you can sit on one row, and then there's a space where nobody sits. Then you can sit on the next row. We're asking that you comply for the sake of those people that want to have some distance, that are not comfortable being jammed up together. You may think it's fine, you know, to be jammed up together, but they don't. And out of your love and respect for them, please don't force that issue. And please respect the distance that, that some people are going to want to have. We're, we have a big sanctuary. We can do this. If those people that want to sit together, I'm not making you not sit together. You can sit together. 
but the people that want distance. Please don't force them to, to sit close. And also when you pass the peace, especially, but please don't force contact with others. There are folks who, who are not comfortable shaking hands or hugging or talking close to you if you're not both wearing masks. And, and respect that. That's where they are. Love them where they are. Please don't force the contact. Please sit on alternate rows and learn to live with. We are not having a mask mandate, but it's okay if some people want to wear masks. I think all of these are easy to do. Uh, I hope you feel the same, but if you feel like you can't abide by these, here's what I'm asking. Don't just act out and do what you want. Be an adult and come and talk with me. We can figure this out. We can learn to live peacefully with one another. We're called to by our Lord and Savior. So I'm going to close with the prayer that, that we opened up the church service with. It's the collect of the day. It's the prayer set aside for today. And uh, I think it applies here. So let's pray. Keep your church, O Lord, by your perpetual mercy. And because without you, the frailty of our nature causes us to fall. Keep us from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable for our salvation. Through Jesus the Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I love you all very much. I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, probably next week. Uh, God willing. But uh, stay safe out there. Love each other. Live in peace. And let's go into prayer. Amen. I invite you to please kneel if you're able. <clears throat>